You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Hi, folks. Be sure to visit my website at dr-history.com for a short personal video message, to listen to the latest stories, and to leave a comment. Hi, folks. Dr. History here with another story from the Old West. Today, we're going to talk about the lawmen, you know, the marshals, the sheriffs, these guys that went after the bad guys. You know, if you think of the lawman, uh, along with the gunfighter and the outlaw, he played a pretty important role in the creation and the legend of the Wild West. Now, just picture this. There he was, this tall, slender, raw-boned guy, his sombrero pulled down over his steely blue eyes, surrounded by a wrinkled, sunburned face. You can just picture him gazing into the distance. Or he rides into town from a manhunt. The body of the killer wrapped in a yellow slicker, uh, bobbing gently across the saddle of a horse. And the lawman leads him into town. And, of course, always it'll show the star on his chest just kind of sparkling and, and, and gleaming there. So who was this lone, courageous man? This symbol of law and order on a lawless frontier... He could have been a rancher elected by his frightened fellow citizens who were being plagued by horse thieves or rustlers or desperados or, you know, fast-drawn gunmen that were terrorizing their community. So this newly elected lawman could also have been buried very shortly after he was elected and uh, while the town hunted for another lawman. So these guys were brave, but they led a pretty dangerous life. Those who did survive were fast with a gun. They had the physical strength to control mobs of drunken, dangerous Texas cowhands in from a, a long uh, cattle drive. But he had the, the nerve to, uh, and the determination to trail a killer or an outlaw band for days and sometimes weeks to uh, try to find the, the bad guys. So there was a guy by the name of John Slaughter of Arizona's Cochise County, and he survived. He was a quiet rancher. He strapped on his guns at the pleading of his neighbors and drove out the rustlers and the outlaws. Now, this is actually something that the Earps were not able to do, but he did it. Another was a guy by the name of Bear River, quote, Bear River Tom Smith. And he actually had been a New York policeman who kept Abilene peaceful with his iron fists instead of a six-shooter. Another guy by the name of Chauncey Whitney. This guy was kind of a mild-mannered former Indian fighter. He became sheriff of Ellsworth, Kansas, at the peak of that cow town's use, as it was kind of the end of the line for cattle drives. And, you know, when these uh, cattle drives came in, those cowboys were ready to have a little fun and let loose. But, you know, Whitney would act as a peacemaker rather than shooting the heck out of these hot-tempered Texans. Uh, but Whitney and Smith, both these guys, were actually killed with their guns in their holster. They were just ambushed and killed, part of the, part of the job. Now, let's go to California in the 1870s. Here was a sheriff by the name of Henry N. Morris of Alameda County, one of the West's finest, if not most popular, lawmen. And I'm going to guess maybe a lot of you have never heard of them. 
But he was a young guy, and it says he was unshaven. He rode alone into the hills, studying the haunts of the outlaw bands who were terrorizing ranchers and communities, including Los Angeles, which at that time was just really a small frontier town. It wasn't very big. But he made friends among the ranchers and the frightened Mexican sheepherders, and he studied the general lay of the land of the area, so he knew where he was going. He also corresponded with other sheriffs and the wardens of jails to kind of figure out the habits and the weaknesses of the territory's most notorious bad guys. When he was fully prepared, he obtained warrants, then went in alone to take his prisoners at gunpoint, sometimes in a dance hall or a backwoods saloon or just wherever they were hiding out or maybe not even hiding. Now, let's go to Texas. Now, at the pleading of his friends and neighbors, there's a guy by the name of L.B. Blair. He left fighting Comanches to become deputy sheriff of this Erath County. Now, this guy is described as a cold-eyed man with a pirate's mustache. He efficiently cleaned the county of outlaws. A frontier uh, newspaper noted that uh, three murderers and seven rustlers, all captured by Blair, crowded his small jail at one time, and Blair actually hunted a more famous outlaw by the name of Sam Bass and his gang until, with the Texas Rangers, he cornered Sam at a place called Round Rock where the outlaw Sam Bass was killed. And that's kind of an interesting story about Sam Bass. Anyway, the good lawmen were determined, like uh, there was a Colorado sheriff, Charles Neiman. Now, this guy was beaten unconscious by two bad guys, one by the name of Harry Tracy, a very dangerous man, and his partner, David Lant, who was a rustler. So here he is. He's been beaten up. He's groggy. He's battered. He's bloodied. He's saddled up, and he trailed these two bad guys to Steamboat Springs. Then he took a stage to head off the fugitives before they could reach the railroad. Well, two miles out of Steamboat, Tracy and Lant, they were... Uh, just walking, and they stopped the stagecoach because they wanted to get in and have a ride. Well, when they stepped into the stagecoach, there was Sheriff Neiman with a shotgun, and he said, quote, Good morning, gentlemen. He said with a kind of a grim smile, Breakfast is waiting for you back at the jail. Well, the two bad guys were kind of disgusted, and they held out their hands for the handcuffs, and one of them said, Who the heck thought a hick sheriff would be up this early? Well, obviously he was. Now, not all the lawmen of the West wore badges. William Wallace, a prosecutor of Missouri's Jackson County, he campaigned for office with a gun on his hip, skillfully and courageously broke up the James Younger gang. You've heard of them, Jesse James and the Youngers? Yeah. Well, Wallace, who didn't drink or smoke and read the Bible daily, he ended up putting Frank James on trial for murder. And Wallace is still kind of the hero of the saga of Jesse James. And that's a whole other story. So these were also lawmen who worked for railroads. They worked for express companies, cattlemen's associations, uh, private detective organizations, hunting law bands, train and bank robbers, rustlers and killers. Now, among the best known of these lawmen was a guy by the name of William Pinkerton. You've heard of the Pinkertons, right? So picture this. He was a big man, dark brooding eyes, who directed a small army of uh, what he called operatives on the frontier. So they used horses, mules, wagons, and trains to chase, kill, and capture those outlaws who'd selected as their targets uh, clients of the Pinkerton Agency. So you see, Pinkerton was hired by these companies. 
So the Pinkertons established a crude but kind of an efficient photo gallery of Western outlaws. Sheriffs and marshals propped the bodies of outlaws they had killed against a barn door or a fence and had the local cameraman photograph the corpse. Actually, sometimes actually dug up this guy so they could take a picture of him. Uh, A lot of the pictures I've seen are you can see him actually laying in a casket that's been propped up. So anyway, the picture was sent to the Chicago Pinkerton office to be studied by, now get this, the name is Bertillion Experts. Now, the Bertillion system was actually devised by a guy by the name of Alphonse Bertillion. He was a 19th century French criminologist, and he had, this method was a method of identifying criminals by means of various body measurements. In other words, colorings, markings, height, weight, stuff like that. So uh, if the dead man was wanted, the Pinkertons closed his file because he was dead and guaranteed the lawman he would receive all the reward. But the Pinkertons gallery became the country's most extensive listing of 19th century criminals, including a large number of Western outlaws. Well, it was turned over to the government by the agency when the FBI was established and became an early part of the organization's famous Bureau of Identification, which, of course, in these days, I mean, it's much more uh, established, of course. Now, both William and Robert Pinkerton, sons of the founder of the agency, they actually a lot of times actually took the trail themselves. Once William, to save his life, actually picked up a big guy, and threw him uh, into the churning wheel of a steamboat, which I'm sure uh, didn't feel too good. But anyway, a detective, a Pinkerton operative by the name of Charlie Seringo, became the celebrated, quote, cowboy detective. Now, this guy was something. He rode thousands of miles in an unsuccessful attempt to capture Harvey Logan, the dead Uh, the deadly Kid Curry of the Wild Bunch, you know, the Butch Cassidy Bunch. Anyway, uh, there's another guy by the name of James B. Hume, John N. Thatcher, and Fred Dodge. These were Wells Fargo special officers. Now, these guys were tough. They spent years in the West trailing and capturing stagecoach and train robbers. Dodge actually joined Wyatt Earp's posse in the hunt for the outlaws who held up the tombstone stage and killed the driver. Now, the, this General David J. Cook, who uh, founded the famous Rocky Mountain Detective Agency, he actually roamed the West with his deputies. They arrested, get this, more than 3,000 men and women, including 50 of the West's most desperate killers and outlaws. And as his son recalled, quote, of all those 3,000, he never allowed one to seriously hurt him, not one of them to get away when taken, and not one to be violently dealt with when in his hands or in his custody. So he was a good guy, uh, sheriff or detective. Now, before he opened his own detective agency, this General David Cook had been one of Colorado's most efficient sheriffs. After his retirement, the Rocky Mountain News estimated he had recovered $70,000 in lost property. Now, back then, that would have been a lot of money. He broke up four organized gangs of train robbers. He prevented a serious riot. He captured and helped to convict several murderers who were then hanged and located more than 300 stolen cows and 50 horses. But the newspaper proudly commented that not a hoof was lost in Arapahoe County when Cook was its sheriff. 
Now consider the circumstances under which these lawmen, public and private, fulfilled their duty. I mean, consider the enormous distances, transportation, hostile ranchers, outlaws, sympathizers, uh, and your townsmen that really couldn't care. Uh, too few deputies and economy-minded city councilmen. But posses and businessmen often turned back, leaving the lawman to continue on alone. You know, if they took off, how far are you going to go if you have a business back in town? You know, pretty soon you're going to say, hey, I'm going back to town. So the sheriff, you just keep on... Uh, uh, chasing these bad guys. Anyway, on the trial of uh, his best friends, were uh, when he was heading out, he, uh, the best thing he had was his horse and his gun. Obviously, there were no scientific devices to aid him, no fingerprinting, no telephone. The nearest railroad could be a day's journey away. Most of the time, there were no photographs, only a vague description of the wanted man. He was expected to return with the prisoner or his corpse. If he failed too many times, he was replaced. So job security wasn't great if you didn't bring in the bad guy. Well, and his jail, let's look at that. It was usually like a one-room shack, so flimsy that a gang of outlaws could kick it apart uh, to get their friends out. His deputy, well, he could be a drifter, he could be a jobless cowhand that's easily intimidated or willing to sell out to a gang planning to rob the bank. And yes, uh, there was bribes back then even. So the lawman's salary was not that great. I mean, not terrible, but 50 to maybe $100 a month. And if he was a famous gunfighter like Wild Bill Hickok, he could actually command as high as $125 a month, which sometimes he did. Now, there's a guy by the name of T.C. Henry. He was the mayor of Abilene. He was so desperate to find a lawman who could control these wild Texans that were gradually taking over his community that he persuaded his four-man city council to pay a guy by the name of Bear River Tom Smith $250 a month and half the fees he collected. So this, I don't know that much about this Bear River Tom Smith. I'm going to have to check on that. But he must have been a pretty good guy. Well, the lawman's work was mostly just plodding, routine, dangerous, seldom glamorous. The sheriff or city marshal, the federal marshal, always took over when mail became part of the robber's loot. Now, consider this. Uh, Butch Cassidy had a younger brother named Dan Parker. Okay, Dan Parker was about a year younger, and he made the mistake with a partner robbing a stagecoach with a gun, and they robbed the mail, and because it was the mail, because he used a gun, and because he put some people in uh, danger, he was put away for life in hard labor. So you didn't want to mess with the U.S. mail. But anyway, uh, there could be running gunfights or ambushes. If the lawman was killed, his body would be brought back wrapped in a blanket or a slicker and tied across the saddle of his horse or put in the back of a wagon. His widow received his guns and horse, along with the town's temporary sympathy and a few prayers from the local clergy. There was no pension for the widow and her children. Her husband's heroism would probably be forgotten within a few months, and she was on her own. But you know, the wives of these Western lawmen, they bravely accepted the death of their men. They knew it was all part of dealing with a violent uh, and many times unpredictable land where men were killed, sometimes just even by a, a, a crazy cow, uh, a herd of cattle stampeding, a drunken fool that uh, was playing bad man in a saloon, or get this, even the bite of a rabid skunk. So these guys were out there putting their lives on the line. And even their, the, the weather was even their enemy. Uh, on the open plains, a bolt of lightning could uh, pretty well uh, ruin your day. 
A flash flood could drown him and his horse within minutes. He could also be sucked down by quicksand along the river bottoms or be crushed by ice released in a sudden spring thaw. And and again, these guys were out there by themselves for the most part. So sometimes they just didn't ever return. Never. Nobody knew what happened to them. But, you know, the lawman's job did have some advantages. He could own on the side a saloon or part of one. It's gambling concession or a dance hall, which were all legitimate occupations in the Wild West. He would probably have an, quote, understanding with the local livery stable, meaning he could get a horse anytime he needed it. But in mining camps like Tombstone, the sheriff's job was pretty lucrative. He received a percentage of all the taxes he collected. That's not too bad. A Cochise County deputy sheriff claimed in his memoirs the sheriff's post was worth, get this, 40000 a year as the sheriff was allowed 10% for tax collecting. 40000 back then. That's not too bad. Now, in contrast, the rangers of Judge Hanging Judge Parker, uh, he was the United States Court for the Western District of Arkansas, and he had jurisdiction over Indian Territory, which nowadays is actually Oklahoma, And they were paid by the fee system. They received 10 cents a mile one way. They served papers or bringing in prisoners. Now 40 cents a mile for feeding prisoners and $2.50 for serving a warrant and the same amount for commitment of a prisoner. Now the guardsmen accompanying a deputy, they earned maybe $2 a day. But the casualty rate among the rangers was high. 65 rangers out of a total of 225 died in the line of duty. And that's uh, a record not even matched by the Texas rangers. So the tools of the Western lawman, they were few. He supplied a rifle, a six-shooter, ammunition. He had, of course, his own horse, and hopefully it was a fast horse, which they did. They tried to get the fastest they could get, obviously. He had his rain slicker that he carried and a blanket. That was it. And the community provided the jail, board for prisoners, courts, judges, and juries. The local newspaper printed his wanted notices, uh, which, again, you know, how good a drawing can you get uh, of a description of an outlaw? Anyway, that's what they used. But the sheriffs, city marshals, deputies, rangers, and guardsmen, they all lived close to death and violence. The late Mrs. Zoe Tillman, she was widow of one of the most famous lawmen in the West, recalled, quote, I never knew what to expect when they called Bill. He would shrug it off as just another job, but a cold shiver would go up my spine when I saw him strap on his gun and look over his rifle. It was then I realized he was going after one or more men who would kill him rather than spend a good part of their lives behind bars. Now, ironically, Bill Tillman, who survived gunfights, ambushes, and countless manhunts for these dangerous guys in the Wild West actually was killed by a drunken Prohibition agent. I mean, it probably was even almost an accident that this guy was killed that way. But, you know, not all Western lawmen were of Tillman's breed. There were times when there was a kind of a thin line separated the good from the bad. Uh, Terrorized communities eagerly hired gunfighters, outlaws, or even known killers to protect their town. And in the end, they found they had to live with the whirlwind they'd created, which, you know, how do you get rid of one of those guys? So there was a guy by the name of Phil Watson, Marshal of Casper, Wyoming. He entered a saloon, walked up to a gunfighter, took his gun, slapped his face, and ordered him to leave town. 
Well, a few months later, the citizens who had hailed his bravery were stunned when Watson was arrested as the leader of an organized band of horse thieves. The stolen herds were gathered in Montana and Wyoming, driven to isolated ranches and canyons, and then finally shipped to Casper, where Watson had arranged for them to be sold in Eastern Market. He was found guilty and sentenced to five years in the Wyoming State Prison. So here was a guy that started out being a sheriff and found a little other way to make some money. Now, Henry Brown rode actually with Billy the Kid during the Lincoln County War and was with Billy the Kid when Sheriff William Brady was ambushed and killed in Lincoln in 1878. Now, in July, with the posse closing in, Brown left New Mexico to escape being hung. He drifted north to Kansas, where he found that Caldwell, a small cattle town, needed a fast-shooting lawman. He was elected sheriff and soon demonstrated his skill with a gun when he killed actually two bad guys trying to take over the town. And in 1884, Brown was married. Six weeks later, get this, he led his deputy, Ben Williams, and two cowboys in holding up the Medicine Lodge Kansas National Bank. They killed its president and cashier. The outraged citizens fought back. They captured and then lynched these four guys. Again, one was this brown guy that rode with Billy the Kid. So he kind of went bad with the law, good with the law, and then bad. Well, in Newton, Kansas, Billy Brooks was a kind of a cold eye, uh, fast draw. He was elected sheriff. Two years later, he was actually hanged as a horse thief. Uh, Watson Brown and his gang and Billy Brooks, these guys, these bad guys uh, were not exceptions to the rule. Uh, but there were a lot more uh, good, good sheriffs, you know, that, that ran the West. The faithful outnumbered the betrayers by a lot. But, you know, good or bad, they were the most powerful, most colorful of the myths and legends of America's Wild West. So, you know, the, it would be great to actually interview some of those guys and really hear their real story. As, you know, in history, we have to go kind of by what's known about them, what's written about them. But... Anyway, that's kind of an overview of uh, a bunch of the lawmen that were good lawmen, brave, sturdy, and uh, also (laughs) some that were uh, kind of on the wrong side of the law. So that's our story for today. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoy it. Lawmen of the Old West.